Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Good morning, Soul City Church, and a special welcome to all of you folks who are worshiping with us online. Show us some love in the chat, or if maybe you're listening to our podcast afterwards. Uh, My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. And again, a good morning to the small group of you gathered here in this room. It's so good to see about half of your faces. It really is nice to be here with you today. I can feel the love even through the masks. Uh, But however you decided to join us today, I'm really glad that you did. Because I believe that in the next hour or so that we're together, uh, there's something for you. I don't know if you can feel it. If you're watching, I can feel it in this room. Um, There's something happening this morning, I think. And I think that something might just be for you, to encourage you, to maybe move you forward uh, wherever you're at in this faith journey. Today, we are looking at a story from the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. Two stories, actually. Carissa just read them for us. In Mark 5, we have this story of Jesus and these two encounters that he has. One with Jairus, who was a religious leader in the community, and he has a sick and suffering daughter. And then right in the middle of that story, we find another encounter that Jesus has with a bleeding woman. Biblical scholars refer to sections of scripture like this as a Markin sandwich. Because the author of this gospel, Mark, he has this device where he tells two stories, one inside of the other. And the outer story is supposed to add structure to the inner story, and the inner story adds flavor to the outer story. Kind of like a sandwich. Throw your Jersey Mike's order in the chat if you're watching online. Uh, But these stories that we're going to be examining today, they are deep, they are profound, and they're powerful. And I'm really excited to be teaching them. But I have to be really honest with you. I really struggled this week with how to start this teaching, you know, because you want to start off on the right foot, right? You you want to make sure that everyone feels welcome, you know, you want to grab everyone's attention. And I was really struggling, like, how do I do that with these stories? But then it hit me. Many of you know I consider myself to be a bit of a Bible nerd. I don't just read this thing because it's my job. I actually read it on my own time. And so I was doing a little reading this week, and I ran across what I believe is the perfect passage to introduce and I think inspire us as we dive into this teaching today. It just plopped into my lap, I believe, from the Holy Spirit, praise God, and I'm really, it's so perfect. I'm really excited to share it with you all today as we start. Leviticus 15, verse 19. When a woman has her regular flow of blood, the impurity of her monthly period will last seven days, And anyone who touches her will be unclean until evening. Anything she lies on during her period will be unclean, and anything she sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches her bed will be unclean. Anyone who touches anything she sits on will be unclean. Whether it is the bed or anything she is sitting on, when anyone touches it, they will be unclean till evening. If a man has sexual relations with her and her monthly flow touches him, He will be unclean for seven days. Any bed he lies on will be unclean. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period, 
or has a discharge that continues beyond her period. She will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. When she is cleansed from her discharge, she must count off seven days. She has to quarantine. And after that, she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must take two doves and two young pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The priest is to sacrifice one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will make atonement for her before the Lord for the uncleanliness of her discharge. Welcome to church. Now, if you are still in this room or if you haven't logged off of YouTube yet, I hope you'll stick with me because I promise you, I promise you, I have a point for starting with this. And, and I want to be clear, the point was not to make everyone here feel totally uncomfortable. Although, I will be honest, as someone who does not necessarily have to go through a monthly cycle, gentlemen, if women want to normalize talking about this sort of thing, I think we should just get on board. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. I... Also, you should know, the point, the point is not to force a really difficult conversation for parents who are watching with their kids right now. I apologize. You can send any complaints to my email. It is jarrett at uh, soulcitychurch.com. And last but not least, please hear me on this one. In all seriousness, the point of sharing this is not, certainly not to trigger anyone to trigger any woman or any couple who is currently or has faced difficulties of this nature. That's not why I share this. The point of starting with a passage like this is to put all of us on a level playing field with Mark's original audience. Because the people that Mark was originally writing to, a lot of them were ancient Jews. And they would have known this passage in Leviticus. Many of them, in fact, would have even had it memorized. And they would have followed the instructions in this passage to the letter in their day-to-day -day lives. Want to be clear? I'm not saying that we should. That's not what this message is necessarily about. Because you see, for the ancient Jews, in their pre-modern context, they saw a deep connection between blood and life. Which makes sense, right? Uh, you know, sometimes when someone dies, it is as a result of too much blood leaving their body or because their blood stops pumping. And so it was believed in that day that if you came into contact with any sort of blood in any form, then you had the shadow of death hanging over you. And you were considered to be ritually impure or unclean in your society until you did all of the instructions that we just talked about. So now, let's go back to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Jesus, he's just met Jairus. He's on his way with Jairus to go heal Jairus' daughter. And then Mark, chapter 5, verse 25 says, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You hear it a little different now, don't you? There's, there's something that sort of gets lost in the thousands of years that have occurred between then and now. This woman, she's had this unsolved issue of bleeding for 12 years. 
which means she has been considered impure and unclean in her society for 4,380 days. Because of her perceived uncleanliness, she would have been a complete social and religious outcast. She would have been completely excluded from worship and community life, which likely would have forced her into a life of homelessness. Her impurity meant that she was unemployable, so she was probably without income, and bleeding in the way that she was meant that she was probably infertile, so she had no family. She had no children, which, for a woman in that time, was one of the only possibilities they had for a good life. When we start to understand the history, you see that this woman's situation, it was so much more desperate than it first appears to our modern eyes, because not only was this woman sick, but this woman's sickness would never allow her to rise above her station. Her, her condition would have constricted her to the lowest possible class of people. And I actually don't know how many of us in our modern day can even begin to understand what this would be like. To be considered unclean for 12 years. I, as a white, straight male in our society, I have enjoyed a pretty privileged existence. I am so far away from this. But one thing I think we can all understand is that part about, instead of getting better, she grew worse. You ever felt like that? Like, when what you thought would help you actually ended up hurting you? If you've ever eaten at Portillo's, you know what this is about, right? <laughs> I thought that the large shake and the cheese fry would make it better, and it did for a second, but afterwards, I just felt worse. Come on, give me an amen in the chat. You know, likely, you know, lately all of us, you know, we've been, we've been saying, maybe next week the weather will get better. But of course we live in Chicago, and so it only gets worse. Or how about this? You know, maybe it's late at night, and you have your phone, and you're scrolling for who knows how long. Or maybe you're swiping. Or maybe, maybe you're searching. And your mind tries to tell you that it will make you feel better. Your mind tries to tell you that it will make it better, but often that's rarely the case. Maybe today you're, you're watching, you're, you're here in the room, and you're thinking to yourself, I thought changing my life in this way, or I thought setting these new goals, I thought hanging out with a new community, I thought getting on these new meds, I thought a new year, 2021, I thought 2021 would make it better. But so far, not really. And, and you try, and you try, and you hope, and you hope, but instead of getting better, it just gets worse. I, I don't often give titles to my messages, but today I did, and I think it's really important that I tell you what it is. The title of this message is On the Edge of Hope. If you're watching online right now, just throw those words, those five words in the chat, on the edge of hope. Because today I want to talk to someone who feels like they're on the edge of losing their hope. Maybe you, like this woman, you've tried to find solutions. You've tried to be resilient and find a remedy. You've prayed, and so far nothing's happening. And maybe things are even getting worse. 
therapy after therapy after therapy, and yet the cloud of depression just keeps getting heavier. Your marriage or relationship just keeps fracturing, feels like it's falling apart. And the healing or the miracle or the provision from God that you've been longing for, it just hasn't come. And as hard as you try, it just feels like your hope is on the ropes. If that's where you find yourself this morning, this message, it's for you. And let's be clear, maybe that's not where you're at right now. Maybe things are actually going really good for you, and that's fantastic. But I hope you'll still stick with me, because my guess is there is someone in your life for whom things aren't going as good. And maybe you can share this message with them this week. Or I imagine that because you're a human being living on earth, someday you will find yourself losing hope. And I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe in that day, you'll remember a tall, goofy-looking pastor from Chicago (laughs) who taught a message called On the Edge of Hope. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. She was on the edge of her hope. But when she heard about Jesus... She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. I have to imagine there's some folks who came in here this morning or maybe who are tuning in online and you're watching this with an if I just kind of faith. I remember last year, right around this time, uh, my wife Erin and I, we were freshly grieving the tragic loss of a really close friend of ours. And it was a few weeks before lockdown, and Soul City had a worship night a few weeks after he died. And I remember thinking, if we can just get to that worship night, then maybe we can start to heal. Can't promise we'll be able to sing anything, but if we can just... Maybe you're watching online and you tuned in this morning thinking, if I just turn on church for five minutes, or if I just have it on in the background, then maybe there'll be something there to encourage me this week because it's just been rough. Maybe you've already registered to come in person on March 7th because you're thinking, if I just get back to church, like if I can just get in the building, then maybe... Maybe I can get my faith back on track. Maybe I can stop drifting or or reconnect with God. You have this faith where it's, if I just... And you know, sometimes I think we can look down on someone with an if I just faith. Because let's be honest, the American church can sometimes perpetuate this narrative that we need to show up to God or church fully formed. You know, that to be a person of faith... It means you have to be fully convinced and fully bought in on everything from day one, you know? We gotta be ready to serve. You gotta be massively generous. You better have all of your beliefs on God and church and the Bible totally locked in. You gotta know everything. But I don't know if that's actually the case, like for any of us in this room, especially when you find yourself on the edge of hope. I mean, I know from personal experience, when you're on the edge of hope, you can't always show up fully formed. 
You can't always walk in as this all-American Christian. Sometimes it takes all the courage and all the faith that you have just to make it to the door. Just to sit in the back quietly with your hands folded. Sometimes it takes all of the faith you have just to click on a link. Or just to sign up for an event and give church a chance again after the last time. Maybe give God a chance for the first time. It took all of this woman's courage and all of her faith just to reach out and touch Jesus's cloak, if I just. You should know that the original language suggests that this woman didn't just generally grab onto Jesus's clothes, but she actually touched the very corner of his prayer shawl. In Hebrew, this is a section of the prayer shawl called the kanath, and we have a photo of it. You can see it's it's just on the very corner. It's a very specific section, and that word kanath, it can be translated as wing or corner or edge. So when this woman says, if I just touch his clothes, she doesn't mean if I get a good long grasp. She doesn't mean if I dive all the way in. What she means is if I can just graze the edge of his robe, then I will be healed. And what happens for her? What happens when she brings an if I just kind of faith? When she comes to Jesus, not fully formed, but when she brings her past, when she brings her pain, when she brings her fear, and an if I just faith, and she reaches out and she just grazes the corner, verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. When you have an if I, listen to me, when you have an if I just faith, when all you can muster with God is just a moment, when all you can find yourself praying is silence or tears, when you're on the edge of hope, the good news is there's hope on the edge. You see? This woman, she was on the edge of her hope. Instead of getting better, it kept getting worse. Twelve long years, she was on the edge of hope, but she found hope in the edge of Jesus' garment. I think, here's what, I think if we can learn anything from this story, it's that Jesus seems perfectly content to meet people on the edge. But Jesus is not the type of God where you've got to show up fully formed. He's not the type of God that makes you jump through all these hoops in order to get to him. He's the God who leaves the 99 in order to find the one who wandered all the way to the edge. And he reaches out onto the edge with hope, with grace, with love, with joy, with peace, even when you can barely make it through the door. I'll tell you what, I've been reading this story over and over and over again these last couple weeks. And one Monday, I was reading it right before our staff prayer and worship time. Um, we, every morning our staff gets to, every Monday morning our staff gets together and we pray. And a few Mondays ago, we prayed for the construction of our house of hope. For those of you who don't know, our church is doing a renovation, an addition to our physical building that we're calling the house of hope. And this is going to be a space where we provide practical and transformative care to, to those with mental or physical or relational needs through groups and programs and resources, and construction is breaking any day now on that project. And so we as a staff, we went down to the section of our church that is going to become the House of Hope, and we stood 
and we prayed for that physical space. We prayed for the transformation that's going to occur there. It was, it was powerful. I was grateful for the time. But as we were standing there praying, this story kept coming back to my mind. And I couldn't figure out why, so I, I opened my Bible and I read it again. And then it hit me. This is a blueprint. Can we pull it up? This is a blueprint of Soul City Church. And up there, in, up there, that's where you see, that's where our house of hope is going to be. Here's what I want you to notice. Where is the house of hope physically located in our church? It's in the corner. It is on the literal edge of our church. And so I don't know about you, but I got this picture of people who are walking down the streets in Chicago, who are on the edge of their hope, who in their current season, they might not be ready to walk into a church. Like, they might not find themselves coming into this auditorium to sing songs. But they'll see a sign for the house of hope, and they'll think, if I just go in there. If I just, maybe, maybe. I'll tell you what, I'm so grateful for the generosity of our church that is making this possible. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for Pastor Jeannie and for Madeline Holler and for Christy Chapman and their leadership and their vision for this. I'm so grateful that when people in my life are on the edge of their hope, I can point to my church and I can say, there's hope on the edge there. There's hope on the edge. Let's finish the story. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering at once. Mark is always in such a hurry. Immediately, at once. Mark is just like me. At once. Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. This moment must have been terrifying for this woman. Because remember, she's not even supposed to be there. Like, her very presence there meant that she was at risk of making anyone she even bumped into in that crowd, they would be unclean. When she reached out and she touched Jesus' robe, she was at risk of making him unclean. I imagine in this moment, she is terrified that she is about to get called out. And you would expect a rabbi like Jesus to tear into this woman for touching him, a religious leader, and making him ritually impure. She probably expected to get run out of town like she had many times before. Verse 34, Jesus said to her, daughter, which is a term of love and endearment. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go, not go get away from me. Not go, you don't belong here. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This woman did not get what she expected in this moment. You understand this woman's history now. You know that this woman she has been excluded for one reason or another her entire life. 
And so when Jesus turns around and he says, who touched me, who was it? She's expecting to be excluded again. But instead, this woman discovers something about Jesus in this moment that is so fundamental, and it is so important that each and every one of us discover it as well. She discovers that good news includes. The good news of Jesus, it doesn't follow the old rules of ritual impurity. It doesn't draw these dividing lines, focusing on who's in and who's out based on their behavior and how they follow the rules. The good news of Jesus, it is rampantly available to all people, especially, by the way, those who have been excluded, those who have been left on the edge. This is why Jesus called fishermen to be his followers. That's why he calls the Pharisees false prophets. That's why he calls blind men sons and bleeding women daughters. Because good news includes. And here's more good news. The good news, it includes you. It includes you. Especially if you're a person who has been traditionally excluded in our culture. Or maybe even in the church. If you have ever been told that you couldn't be a part of a church because of your background or because of the questions and doubts that you have or maybe because of your political convictions or your sexual orientation that you couldn't be welcomed in a church community, I want you to know the good news, it includes you too. If you're an Asian American who's had to endure racist comments and persecution that has always existed here in the US, but based on absolute ignorance, has been heightened during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are watching and you've just been treated lately like your very presence is unclean, the good news includes you. If you're like me, and you've made mistakes in your past that often make you feel unworthy of approaching God, or being loved by God, or being used by God, the good news includes you, it includes me. And so what I wanna to do to close our time is we're gonna enter into a time of prayer, specifically for anyone here or anyone online who needs this inclusive, powerful good news today. And so if you're here in the room, I just wanna ask all of us to stand, if you would. When the woman in this story reached the edge of her hope, she found it within herself to reach out towards Jesus. And so if you're here or maybe you're watching this online and you feel like you're on the edge of your hope today, if you are in need of prayer or healing or if you are in need of some good news today, would you just borrow that woman's posture and would you just reach a hand out towards the stage right now if that's where you're at? Let this just be your if I just moment. Even if you're watching online, you're sitting on your couch, if you need some hope today, just put a hand out. Your family, your roommate, they're not going to judge you. In fact, we're about to pray for you in just a minute. Now, keep your hands raised. For everyone else, if there's anyone around you who's reaching out their hand in faith, will you just extend a hand towards them? If you came with them, you could probably place a hand on their shoulder. Keep a safe distance. But just extend your hand towards the people who need it today as we pray for their courage and their faith this morning. God, 
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are a God who meets us on the edge. You don't make us get everything together first. But when we are on the edge of our hope, there is hope on the edge. And God, I pray that just as this woman discovered in this story, that by even having a moment of just reaching out, that we this morning, that these people with their hands reaching out, that they would discover your healing power, that they would discover that you are a provider, that they would discover that you are all of the names that we sung about. You are provider, you are healer, you are peace, whatever we need today, God. Would our faith and our courage to reach out, God, would you meet that with grace? Would you meet that with power? Would you meet that with miracles and breakthroughs in this room this morning? Jesus, we thank you. And we pray for this and we reach out to you in your name.